Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. Today on Why Do Pets Matter, I speak with my friend, Kelly Blazell of Beyond Indigo. It's a company that helps other companies get the word out there and really excel in advertising and marketing. But today we talk about Why Do Pets Matter to Kelly and how accountability for ourselves is often shown by our dogs to us, dogs and cats. So let's hear what Kelly has to say. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and this is Why Do Pets Matter with my good friend, Kelly Botzell. We've put on a conference together called Speak the Right Words. Kelly is the CEO of Beyond Indigo, which I have to tell you is one of the pet service provider's best friend in helping them get the word out. So without further ado, Kelly, thank you for coming today. You're so welcome. It's so great to be here. So we always ask everyone, and you know, I can even hear my voice calmer for everyone who's listened to Why Do Pets Matter before. I can hear my voice calmer when I'm talking with Kelly because the two of us are on such an interesting path and trajectory together, and I'm so grateful. So today's gonna be a little different, but of course, we're gonna start with our first question, which is Kelly, why do pets matter to you? Oh my gosh, the list is long right? Is it alphabetical? Is it numerical? Is it that? Um, I think one of the top ones is they are unconditional love wrapped up in an animal or a pet or, you know, like pets can be a very wide range. So it's not the same for everybody, but whoever your animal companion is, it is unconditional love wrapped up in that body. And, um, that's what matters to me. I mean, I'm looking at my pup right now, sleeping on the floor going, wow, that looks really comfortable right now. But he's unconditional love, yeah. right? And for some people, the only place they get that unconditional love is through their animal companions. They don't necessarily have it from their human engagement or interactions in life. And um, that's a really special gift they bring to us. It, it's so much the answer that most people give as their first answer is unconditional love. But for us, it actually reflects back to us maybe something that we feel with each other because it's about understanding yourself and how you reflect to other people. So before we get on this recording, everyone, Kelly and I were talking about how we are really the only ones who control can control how we react to things. And mm -hmm. in Speak the Right Words conference, that's what we were hoping to share with our attendees, which is 
how do you speak the right words to hold a safe space for yourself and also acknowledge someone else's feelings at the same time? So Kelly, what do you think is the most important piece about having a conversation, even a difficult conversation with someone that you can share that we feel when we're discussing something with someone else? That's hard because we're not socially trained for my answer. So my answer is awareness of self and everything in life is an external reflection. So we're always focused externally on something else. There's a lot of direct distractions, a lot of squirrels with sequins on them going around. And so it's really hard. We, we're rarely trained to look within ourselves and be transparent with self, honest with self, um, and then forgiving ourselves, right? Because a lot of people, their first knee-jerk reaction is somebody else made me do this. It's somebody else's problem. We aren't trained really ever to say, okay, what's my piece in this? What do I bring to the table? What can I own? How can I change? Um, if I change, then how does that make me feel? And if, if my feelings are something on the negative side, embarrassed, angry, whatever, well, then what's my responsibility with that? <clears throat> because it's not, it's not polite to throw up your negative feelings on somebody else because you're unwilling to look at yourself. But that's what we do all the time in society, right? It's, you know, as you're talking in the back of my mind, I'm saying, okay, so that's the unconditional love that pets share with us because they always are aware of how they feel and what they're feeling. And they express that to us pretty clearly. And just, yeah. And we aren't trained to do that. I loved when you said we're externally focused, you know, we are always reacting to what we see around us. And so are dogs because they see the squirrel and things like that, but they're also very in tune with their own needs and feelings and communicate that to us beautifully all the time. I loved when you said we always blame things on someone else. And when I get have clients and I know when we share this um, community of speak the right words with people, it's difficult for us to reflect back and be accountable on what we brought to the table. It is because we may have to eat crow right? To use an old expression. And we may have to go, wow, Mia Copa, I screwed up. And that isn't a great feeling all the time, right? And internally, that makes us go, that sucked. <laughs> but that's, that's the bump you have to get over. And then you got to decide, well, what did that teach me? Or what did that learner? Why, more importantly, why did I react that way? And, and that's an exercise I do a lot internally, Deborah, is yep. something presents itself to me and I take a moment and I breathe and I'm going, well, why is this triggering me? What is it? And so sometimes I'll say, well, it's emotion X. Okay. So then the next part of this game is why am I feeling X? Oh, it's because of why. And it's a memory I had that somebody did something to me. Well, why am I feeling that memory? And I just keep digging, right? Until I get down to the nugget of the emotion or the event or something so and go, wow, that's the piece within that me I love. that I need to heal and let go where she outlines and the hook. The hooks because to get really you to go down that path. And as we've talked about, and speak the right words, sometimes sure, they speaking can nothing day, and really reflecting uh, what you're hearing me. works it even better. Be like, so I love wow, that you use the word hooks because we do get hooks. 
and we get triggered and then we respond the same way. And I don't know about you, but often I will then get in the car or come home or get off a call and go, yeah, that wasn't my best self. Right. Yeah. I could have done a little better there. Right. And then you have to figure out, well, how then do you make it better? Right. 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 And then, you know, a, a new concept I've kind of come up with, Deborah, you and I haven't talked about yet, is what I'm watching other people, I'm calling it fear generation, just sort of like, you know, a smoke machine on a play set when they cue the smoke machine and the smoke billows out onto the stage or the fog machine. I think it's called a fog machine. Yeah, it is. Yep. Yeah. So this fog machine, this machine's creating all this fog around this scene in the set. And I kind of see it as, an individual's the machine and they're generating all this fear around them. And it creates- what a great metaphor. Oh my God. I love that because that's exactly how you feel. It's how you feel. And so now you have this dark, negative, black fear cloud around you. And then other people, you actually start manifesting what you're fearful of, right? Because now you're triggering other people or you're creating it. And then the next part of the journey is then it manifests. And then you go, see, I was right. Yeah. You, you bring your, it's, it's um, directly related to what you're bringing into your sphere. I truly believe that because when I'm happy, happy people arrive. And when I am angry, you and I both have talked about this, the more angry people arrive in my life and, and perpetuate my belief that yes, indeed, I was right. And I should be angry. Right. But then why is it so important that we need to be right? Yeah. As Brene Brown says, you know, I'd rather get it right than be right. And that's sort of my mantra now, because I have really stopped trying to either have my point of view put forward or one of my parties and mediations view put forward. Rather, what what would be right if we were trying to get it right instead of be right? How would that look? And it's a whole different way to look at a solution. Right. But then you have to own yourself. You have to know thyself. In and own case. yourself without shame and blame. But you know, you can be guilty. That's okay. Oh my God, I shouldn't have done that. But going to the extreme of, oh, you're right. I'm a terrible person or I'm just awful. That's not what anybody should have to live through. Rather acknowledge that, you know, as I just said, when I got in the car after I had a discussion, well, I wasn't my best self. Well, that's guilt. That's not shame. I didn't say I'm a terrible person and I always screw up and I'm definitely doesn't help us. And we have to have that self-talk that acknowledges when we've stepped off the curb of the way we want to live our lives. And how do we step back on? Well, we step by, back on by acknowledging we stepped off the curb. And then we get back on and say, you know, Kelly, I think that the last conversation we had, I wasn't my best self. And I love, there's a book by Harriet Lerner that says, why is it so hard to apologize? Uh, and it's because we always have to justify, well, I wasn't my best self, but that was because I didn't get any sleep or that was because I drove in with traffic or that was because I'm now teaching people that when they apologize or take accountability, put a period at the end of, Kelly, I'm really sorry that I spoke the way I did yesterday, period. Period, that's all you need. And to go to your point of victimization, right? 
victimization actually saying you're the victim and how horrible and I'm so sad and mea culpa and I, I should never do this. That is again, external focus. Yep. Yep. Because you're looking to somebody else to absolve you from this pain that you're feeling in the inside of you versus saying, you know what, wasn't my best self. I can do better. I'm going to own it and I'm going to think about it and I'm going to decide, well, the next situation that's similar because it will come along until you figure it out. Universe has a way of throwing the same game thing in your path may have a different face attached to it, but the same interaction. Holy Toledo until we get it right. Right. We keep until, we get it right. until we get it right. Right. That's, you know, it's like keep dating the same personality type, you know, until you get it right, you're going to keep dating the same person or having them in your life. Right. Yep. So, so when I have clients who come to me, whether they're veterinarians or they're pet owners or they're breeders or anyone, um, they say, well, you know, I just keep getting these people who are terrible. And I said, cause you haven't worked on yourself yet. And if you don't work on yourself, all those people are going to keep coming so you understand that you're going to have to shift in a way, but I don't want to shift. I'm the boss. I'm the one. I'm the leader. I'm this. I'm that. And I said, you need to be collaborative with people because that way all of you are going to grow and thrive. If you think it's only you who's going to grow and thrive, that's not going to serve you. At least that's my thought. What do you think? I completely agree with you. I mean, it's this, the universe is very consistent. It'll outweigh you and just keep throwing the same I mean, yeah, I'm old and I keep getting that same stuff coming up and going, well, I thought I fixed that. (laughs) Apparently there's more layers to that onion than I was realizing, right? Like I I gotta dig a little deeper there on on that one. Um, The Dahlia onion I'm living. I have to tell you, because those can be pretty hefty and, and you just, but, but if you, you know, if you, um, which a lot of my clients and a lot of the people we work with and, and speak the right words um, and you work with at Beyond Indigo, they lock in, you know, and, and it's, it's a gift when you and I get the chance to help people have an aha moment. So tell us a little bit if you've had anyone who's had the aha moment and you, you hung up from a Zoom or a call and you went, yes. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's just fun to, I mean, because we can't change anyone, but we can help them. You know, you can't ever make anybody do anything. You, Kelly, you and I have both said, the only thing I can change is me. I, I can change okay. me. I can do what the best I can do. I can learn from my experiences. I can't change anybody else. And if we can have everyone we help recognize the only one they can change is them, then everything around them changes. And everything around them, but it's, that's a hard, that's a hard go until you actually do it once or twice to see how it works. Right. Cause it's like, and you have to have the awareness to see the change. Cause sometimes you really don't, when you're first starting to be self-reflective instead of etern- externally reflective, you don't see it right away. You may not know because the mountain is high, the onion is big, you know, whatever you want, whatever analogy you want to use, you've got to start peeling it back to really kind of understand the process to know that once you peel it back, you look inside, you go over the bump, you really do have release from suffering on the other end, because what, what we really are doing is releasing suffering, suffering within ourselves. And most of us think suffering is sucks. We don't like it. You know, and that's partly why we thrash out in, um, you know, another way I look at it is we only have 
much energy within our body on any given day. And that fluctuates, you know, some days we come with more energy to the table, other days we come to less, but whatever it is, it's a finite amount. If, if you're trying to alleviate your suffering and the uncomfortable feeling inside and you take your precious energy and throw it all at something else through anger, guilt, or a negative emotion to get that thing to change. So therefore you feel better. One that takes a crap ton more work to do than going within yourself and going, okay, I really muffed this one up. This, this sucks, this hurts, or, you know, the why game, why am I reacting to this? And this digging down until you find that nugget and releasing it takes a lot less energy and you release your suffering. Whereas if you try to take all your energy and make something else change, so you don't suffer, you really don't release the suffering at all. You may and you build a, a higher wall to have to climb. Yeah, it's nuts, right? You know, I have to have seven people change uh, because they're the ones that I'm holding responsible for how I reacted. And, you know, they may not have treated you right. I mean, in my practice, in your practice, people, you know, don't necessarily treat other people nicely, but you can only decide how you're going to respond to it and how you're going to treat other people. That's it. You know, how do you want to approach it is your choice. And sometimes, sometimes we don't get a choice of the hand we're dealt, or at least it doesn't seem that way. We may be a fear generating and creating the fear machine and not see that we turned that puppy on a little bit ago. And yeah, we're taking everybody with us into the fog. Right, right. And we may not see that, but then all of a sudden you're in a situation where you're like, regardless of how you got there, self-generated or life presents something to you that you're not exactly a fan of, you do get your choice of how you react to it. That is your choice. It is your choice. And I have learned that often if I can help people take a breath, I was talking to Kelly before we got on. Um, I speak to some veterinarians at conferences all the time and I give them these skills to take a breath. Uh, drop the need to be right and let what's being said roll off your back and answer later. And all of them, and Kelly, you and I talked about this, all of them said, I don't have to answer right then and there. And I go, no, you don't. You know, if somebody says something that makes you and you feel, you can feel that heat in your face and your body, you, you know when you're reacting defensively and reactively, right? So if you just take a breath and go, I'm really not going to go down that path with this person. I'm going to thank them for sharing their perspective with me and not in a condescending prickish way, but rather say, you know, I really appreciate Kelly, you telling me all of that. And would it be okay? I'd like to think some on it. And can we get together in a day or two? And you have to get together in a day or two. You can't blow it off. You need no. to get together in a day or two because that's the time for each of you to do what Kelly said. The fog has dissipated. You know, the fear fog has dissipated. The defensive fog has dissipated. The reactive fog has dissipated. And you might be able to actually have a conversation where, as Kelly beautifully said, and especially where animals are concerned, which is why this is on, why do pets matter? Um, where animals are concerned, you might actually say, you know, I might've overreacted or, you know, I might have to take accountability for something. And that's why Kelly was such a blessing to come on today because often the people who come to my office after I've allowed them to blow the whole fear fog machine up right. and dissipates, I go, so what do you think we can do now? Wow, you're really right. That's something I could have changed or I might not have done or, oh my God, I didn't see it that way or, oh my God, because I'm a third party 
that isn't involved in this, excuse the expression, dogfight. Right. Right? Right. So you're you're not being triggered the same way, right? Because this isn't this isn't your opportunity for growth. This is two other people's opportunities for growth. And it's and you can't tell somebody what to do because if an attorney comes in and tells you, you should do this or you should do that, that'll never work, at least in my practice, because I have to have my client, Kelly, buy in to the solution. And the only solution she's going to buy into is the one she understands, she appreciates, she thinks will work for her, and really fills her with understanding and acknowledgement of how she feels and how she wants to move forward. And what she wants to live. I mean, how do you want to live is a really kind of important question. And it's not like in a mansion with this much money in my bank account. It's right. like, how do I want to live today? What do I want my experience? This minute, do I really want to go off and, and write that email? Um, I, before we got on, I said to Kelly, I write a lot of emails now that I delete because it really, it gives me that opportunity and um, in emotional agility, Susan David says, sometimes writing down how you feel lets you dissipate your, I love that metaphor, I'm going to use it, I'm stealing it, but I will give you credit, Kelly, that fog <laughs> machine, you know, you've dissipated the fog machine, and, and you're able to go forward. Yeah, and, and with pets, you know, they're there to love you unconditionally. Also, they're there, and I've seen this, they soak up negativity around them and transmute yep. it into a positivity, which is hard on them. It you is know, hard that, on them. That is really hard on them on all levels, including physicality. And so if you want to help your animal, help yourself, because then your animal doesn't have to work so hard. To hold you up. Right. You know, and so you're that unconditional love doesn't necessarily work for them sometimes when you keep dumping your bucket. Right. You know, that's a big cleanup job yeah. for them. Yep. And so yep. slow the flow, right? Like let them do better. And recognize that there are things you can do to help them empty their buckets. So that, you know, ball tossing that takes so much time and oh my God, I can't do it. You know, if you've had a rough week and the dog has been there for you all week. You got you to gotta put on your calendar an hour of ball playing in the backyard and, you know, don't look at your phone. Don't do anything like that. You know, let each of you release because you're dumping their bucket as well as your own. Right. Exactly. Yep. You know, pets matter and not necessarily just because they're unconditional, but because they teach us how to unconditionally love ourselves, I think. I do too. Mm-hmm. They've got to be calm, you know, and they do it with grace and dignity. They do. They do. So I'm going to wrap this up because I have to tell you that I love Kelly and I'm going to have her back for these little snippets all the time because Kelly and I really think a little more deeply about why pets matter to us and how that can affect our interrelationships, our reactions, our exterior versus interior reflections, because they are such the perfect um, modem through which we can live our best lives. And for me, that's why pets matter to me. They help me live my best life. So until next time, Kelly, thank you so much for coming on. You are so welcome. It was fun. And we'll see you next time. And this is Deborah Hamilton, Hamilton Law Mediation, the Why Do Pets Matter podcast. I love you all. Kiss your dogs for me. And we'll see you again next week. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcast. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.